We are in part four of a four-week series uh, called Hashtag Winning. There's this, this trending theme on social media. I don't know if you're on social media, but there's this trending theme on social media that if you're at this, like you're on the ideal date or maybe you just got a promotion at work or something, that you get your phone out and you selfie. So you kind of, I've been informed that you hold it up when you selfie. So I'm just helping you guys out. So make sure you don't do it down, do it up. And you, you hold it up. And I don't know why people do the hip thing when they selfie, but you do the hip thing. And like, so if you, if you just, you're on that perfect date, you get with, you know, your date and you, you kind of do the thing, right? And you take the selfie or, or you just got the promotion, you hold up the letter and you take the selfie or, or I don't know, maybe it's vacation or maybe you just got a haircut how many of y'all know I ain't posted a haircut picture in 20 years, right? <laughs> but whatever it is, you, you post this picture and you hashtag it, hashtag winning. It's almost like you're saying, hey, this is me, I'm winning at life. But how many of you guys know that whatever the picture is, whatever the filter that was used, the picture doesn't usually tell the whole story. Everybody agree? Right? Like sometimes the picture doesn't even tell the real story. And so many times we, set, we say, hey, this is what I want to win. Like, this is my goal. But then when we get the goal, it doesn't give us the result we thought it would. And so we're left looking for another win. And so the whole point of this series is that it's been built off of a question. And it's a simple question. But it just says, hey, what if winning is not what I thought it was? Like, what if the thing that I'm aiming for or the picture I'm trying to get isn't what I thought it would be. And you get there and you realize that. And so this has been a fun series. We've looked at a lot of topics. We've talked about uh, winning with our marriages, winning over addictions, winning with finances. Today, we're actually going to look at winning with relationships, which I'm really excited about. And then next week, uh, we're starting a new series. It's called Reply All. You might not remember this, but at Easter, there's one Sunday of the year that we know that everybody's going to be here, and it's Easter. Right, So on Easter, we got a survey, and we were ready for you guys, and we gave out a survey at Easter, and there were two questions. Does anybody remember the survey? Anybody? Anybody take the survey? Nobody in here. Great. So you guys weren't here on Easter. That's awesome. Um, But we gave out this survey on Easter, and the survey had two questions. The first one was, what is a question you would like us to answer from the Bible? And the second question was, what is a topic that you would like us to teach from Scripture? And so the results are in, and I'm happy to say that next Sunday we're starting our series where we're going to answer the top four questions that you guys gave us on Easter Sunday. So each week we're going to take a question a week and hit the top four questions. It's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, next week's question is, I ain't telling. You got to come back. People on Facebook, you got to come back next Sunday if you want to know what the question is, all right? But that starts next Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then the topics that you guys gave us, we're actually going to hold on to and use those as we plan for uh, 2020. Anybody kind of blown away that it's almost 2020? Anybody else realize that the other day? It's true what they say. Like when you're young, it seems like time takes, you know, creeps. And then as you get older and older, it speeds up more and more. And I still look like I did when I was 20, you know, but I was, wasn't supposed to be funny. But okay. Anyways, so let's, let's, let's wrap up this series, though. What if winning is not what I thought it was? You know, the world is going to give us a lot of false wins. Like it's going to give you a lot of imitation, um, empty 
things that we aim at. And it says, hey, this is what you should, this is what you should strive for. And as I was preparing for this series, or for this sermon, I thought of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to kind of jump around in this chapter. And tell me if you can't identify, this, this, as I read through this, it sounds like America to me right now. Like it sounds like our current culture. I said to myself, let's go for it. Let's experiment with pleasure. Those three words right there. Anybody agree with me that that sounds like our current culture? You just try it. You try what feels right for you. You you do you, right? He says, but there was nothing to it. Go to the next slide for me. And then he, he makes a list. He says, I did great things. I built houses. I got into like architecture. I worked with my hands. Like I could see my accomplishments. He says, I got into nature, right? I planted vineyards. I designed gardens. I got into, I got, I got so much money. I didn't know what to do with it. I'm just trying it all out, just experimenting. He says, I got into the entertainment industry. I gathered singers and they, they sang for me and I just dove, I dove headfirst into entertainment. I, I got the most exquisite of all pleasures, voluptuous maidens for my bed. How many of y'all know that's a whole nother sermon? We ain't going to go there today. Okay, <laughs> let's just keep going. What's the next verse? He says, oh, how I prospered. He says, everybody before me, I blew them out of the water. Like, I passed them all up. I made more money. I made bigger buildings. I, I, I wrote better songs. Like, I had it all. And he goes on. He says, and what's crazy is when I got it, I kept a clear head through it all. He's like, so, so not only did I succeed in everything I tried to, but I wasn't like a NFL player not to be named who was recently released from the Patriots. <laughs> he says, I kept my head. I didn't go crazy, Right? I kept my head through it all. He said, everything I wanted, I took. I gave in to every single impulse. See, this is what society says is winning. He says, you just try it. Hey, if that's what you think is right, go for it. You, you, you need to figure out what is your, what, what, what are your values. You, you, figure, you do what you think you need to do. See, but here's what, these are the pictures. How many of y'all know that this guy's Instagram story would have been blowing up? Like, you wouldn't have been able to keep up with his pictures. Been like, date night, right? You know, and uh, built the house, and and you're sitting there, and you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, man, I wish I lived in that house, or I wish I was married to that person, or wish I had that job. But that's just the picture. See, the world doesn't want us to see verse 11. Then I took a good look at everything I'd done. And what do you think he did? You think he sat there and he said, look at my accomplishment. I am a self-made man, right? Look at all of it. Now, he says, I looked at all the sweat, all the hard work. Go to the next slide. When I looked at it, I saw nothing but smoke. Like it just blew away in the wind. He says, there was nothing to any of it. Nothing. So here's the question. What if winning isn't what we thought it was? What if God has a better way? What if God has a better definition of winning for our money, for our marriages, for our relationships? And this has been a fun series. Today, I want to talk to you about God's definition for winning 
with relationships. And I think it's a, it's a good time to talk about it because how many of y'all know somebody that needs some help with relationships? Anybody? Anybody? Let me see hands. Come on, people. Don't be shy. Look, look don't point at your spouse, people. I'm just asking you to raise your hand, right? I, I, know, I know those people. You know, those people that just like suck the life out of you. It's those people that you're thinking, I am so glad they're going to heaven. I just wish they'd get there a little bit faster, right? I call those people the vacuums, right? They just, just taking life and not, never, never a return on investment. Maybe you don't know a vacuum. Does anybody know the critic? Anybody know the critic? Like, it doesn't matter how much you try, there's always going to be that thing you should have done a little bit better. How about the martyr? It was never my fault. You can, you can peg the martyr when you hear this. Yeah, well, you see, what they did was, it's like, oh, it's never my, okay, I'm going to keep going because you guys don't get, all right, how about the wet blanket? Anybody know the wet blanket? Like, it doesn't matter how good life is, it's going to get worse, <laughs> right? Or the steamroller, anybody know a steamroller? So funny story, um, I was going through these on Thursday night, we have a Thursday night service, and if you don't know me, sometimes I can be extremely like task oriented. Like I get on something and I just, I run for it until I finish. And so I had this task right before church. I knew I was about to preach. So I'm trying to get this thing done before I get on stage. And there were these two people that were talking and I needed to finish the task by giving this thing to one of those two people. And so I literally cut into their conversation. I'm like, Hey, this is for you. Will you make sure that so-and-so gets this and blah, 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 blah. And then I walked away. And then I'm on stage, and I get to the steamroller, and I'm like, does anybody know a steamroller? And then I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just steamrolled that conversation. Anybody know a control freak? How about the control freak? All right? It's like you're doing your job, and then these other two random hands reach in and <laughs> try to tell you how. Or the envious, never happy, never happy unless they get it. The volcano. I, I think of the volcano as the person that you're sitting there, and it's like everything was fine, and then we were all running for our lives, right? <laughs> it just erupted. Or right, I got one more. The competitor. Anybody know the competitor? Like, don't even play Mario Kart with this person because it's going to get ugly. Or right, I didn't put this one in here, but the gossip. The gossip. I was thinking first service was talking. I said, you know, Christians gossip too. We just disguise it as a prayer request, right? Pray for so-and-so, because I heard, and then you just go off, right? But we all need, did anybody think you're going through this list? Did anybody think of somebody, right? You're like, oh, that person, yeah, right? Anybody think of themselves? If we're honest, if we're honest, we all miss it with relationships from time to time. If we're honest, I would say that we all misdefine what winning is with our relationships. And it's understandable because the world is going to give us a lot of false wins with relationships. I got a couple of them for you. I love taking notes. So I've got, there's going to be more up here than is in your notes. Um, but if you want to go on and get that note card out, by the way, if it's your first time here, I just want to say, we're so glad you're here. Uh, my name is Jay. I'm the campus pastor here. Our lead pastor, Pastor Kirk, is actually visiting our Old Town campus today. Uh, he'll be back up here to start the reply all. But um, we're just so glad you guys are with us. In that worship guide was also a connect card. So I'd love it if you would let us know you were here. Uh, we'll get that from you at the end of the service. But also in that worship guide is some notes. If you want to get those notes out, um, I want to talk to you guys today. And I wanna, I'm going to give you three, and we're going to go through three false wins that the world gives. And if you've ever read the book of Proverbs in Scripture, I love the book of Proverbs. It's extremely practical. In fact, if you and I have had coffee or lunch 
and we've started talking about the Bible, odds are, I've told you, we've, we've gone towards the book of Proverbs. But the Proverbs also talks about the kind of friends we should look for, the kind of relationships we should strive for. And so I just want to talk about some of those, those relationship points that Proverbs makes real quick. Because the world is going to look at us and the world's going to say, hey, winning with friends, that's found in quantity. Like, he who has the most followers is the winner. Or he who has the most people to hang out with on a Friday night is the winner. And if that's the definition of winning with friends, I want to let you know that I lost miserably when I was going through high school. Uh, just a quick story. And if I get to the end of the story and you want to give me a sympathetic, oh, I'll take it. It'll be all right. Uh, so in high school, I was homeschooled most of my, most of my uh, childhood. Got to 10th grade and I told my mom, hey, I want to go to a real school. Because for some reason in my mind, I didn't see homeschool as real school, right? Which is funny because now I, my wife homeschools our kids, but that's another story. But so I, I said, I want to go to a real school. So my mom said, all right, we'll send you to a Christian school. And so she sent me to Bethany Christian School in Baker, Louisiana. It's a small Christian school. My graduating class was 34 students, 34 students. And so I went there 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And it wasn't that like I was bullied in school. It was that nobody knew that I existed in school. Here's a simple example. Senior year, the cool year. Okay. I've been going there for three years at this point. Seniors were allowed to leave campus for lunch. We had just had assembly, and the seniors were sitting in, in, in the senior row because when there's only 34 students, it's just a row, one row. And so it starts at the end, and you can hear them. Hey, you want to go to Pizza Hut for lunch? You want to go to Pizza Hut? Go to Pizza Hut. And it's coming down the row. And I'm sitting here, and this joker right here leans forward. I'm not making this up, people. And looks at this person right here. Says, you want to go to Pizza Hut? You want to go to Pizza Hut? You want to go to 33 people went to Pizza Hut that day, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It was traumatic. But I got out of high school, I started work, and I worked with a bunch of old men, honestly, and they would pick on me for eight to 10 hours a day. And so I had to, I figured, let's just say I found my voice, okay? And by the time I went to college, it was a totally different experience. When I went to college, I hosted all the major events at Baton Rouge Community College. Um, anybody that was new to the campus, I greeted them. Uh, it was a totally different dynamic. And you know what I discovered? I finally had what I thought was winning. And here's what I discovered. It is possible to sit in a room full of people and still be alone. Like what the world defines as winning, not necessarily winning. See, where the world says quantity, Scripture actually says something different. Scripture says few friends are true friends. Few friends. There are going to be a lot of people that say they're your friends. But the Bible says, listen, few friends will be true friends. And so while the world is sitting there saying, hey, quantity, quantity, the Bible is saying quality. We need quality. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 18, it says friends. Some, some uh, translations have that friends in quotes, like fake friends, right? They say they're friends. Friends will come and friends will go. But there is a true friend that will stick by you. So scripture doesn't say it doesn't exist. It just says few friends will be true friends. Quality, not quantity. How about this one? The world would say, hey, winning with friends is when they just accept you as you are. Like, they take me as I am. They don't judge me. They just, they accept who I am, my flaws, all of this. They never challenge me. Just let me be me. 
That's not what the Bible says. The Bible actually says a true friend should sharpen you. Like a true friend should make you better. A true friend is the one that has that conversation with you, even when they know it's going to be hard and awkward. Because you ready? Here, here's your, here's your, uh, your tweetable phrase. A true friend cares more about your character than your comfort. And so they will sharpen you. Do you guys have anybody like that? Like, they can tell you the things that hurt, but you receive them. I love Proverbs chapter 27. It says, wounds from a true friend are better than fake compliments, basically, from your enemies. A true friend, true friend, sharpens you. How about this one? The world is going to say, hey, we should be friends with everyone. Just every single person, you just, you, you, you're, you let them into your circle, you partner, you do light, and that's just, that's not true. That is not true. See, here's what scripture says. Scripture says, I should love everyone, but I need to be careful about those people that I partner with. Like, I need to be very intentional. See, here's what I've discovered. Most of our relationships, me, myself included, most of our relationships in our life come more out of convenience than out of intention. Like our kids played sports together or we work together for eight hours a day. Most of the relationships in our life come more out of convenience than intentionality. But Proverbs twelve twenty six says this. Go to the next slide for me. It says, godly people are very careful about the friends they choose. So if this was my Bible and I was underlining this, I would circle the words they choose. Because we need to get move away from friendships of convenience and say, I will choose the people. Now listen, we love everyone. Don't mishear what I'm saying. We love everyone. But I'm talking about those people that you are arm in arm with and you are doing life are they heading in the same direction as you? And I'm not talking about career, vocation, habits, hobbies. I'm, I'm talking about eternity. Are they heading in the same direction as me? And so I'm going to choose very carefully. There was one guy. I was in a small group. Small groups start today. It's not too late to sign up for a group. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But I, I met this guy in a small group. And I didn't, I didn't like... I I was nice with everyone in the small group. Like, we were friendly. We prayed. But there was this one guy in the small group that him and I just kind of hit it off really good. And I remember the small group semester ended, and I called him. My wife makes fun of me. She said it it sounded like we were going on a bromance, right? But I called him, and I said, hey, man, you know, I I, uh, had fun in small group this semester. I was wondering if you wanted to go get some coffee or something. So we went out to coffee, and I intentionally looked at him, and, and I said, I need a close guy friend because I'm just, this is free. Guys, especially if you're married, <laughs> it needs to be another guy. Oh, I'm just going to say that right now, okay? And it should also be your wife, okay? Wives, it should also be your husband. This, was, this is free. I'm going to throw this one out here too. When my mom passed away and went to heaven, I remember my dad looked at me and he said, you know, one thing that's making this easier is that when she got to heaven, I know she didn't find out anything about me that I had not told her already. Like that's... That's what I'm talking about. That's that kind of friend. And so I called this guy, and we were having, we had lunch. It was at uh, the Verve downtown before it closed. And I said, hey, man, um, 
Listen, I, I hit it off with you really good. We have common interests. We seem to get along pretty good. I need somebody that will keep me out of the papers. Like, I need a friend that I can trust, that if I go to them, I know it's going to stop there. But also, if they see something in me, they're going to call it. And he said, dude, I've been praying for the same thing. And that's intentional putting people in your life that will sharpen you. So we need to get away from convenience and get to intentionally putting people in our lives. Because this is the, this is the truth. The friends that I put in my life will reveal the character of my heart. The friends that I put in my life will reveal the character of my heart. Like, it's, it, it is, let me just put it into this perspective. I can come to church on Sunday and with all sincerity say, God, I love you. I'm here. And then if on Monday through Saturday, the people I am joining hand in hand with are heading in the opposite direction, it's like taking one step forward on Sunday and then six steps backwards. And eventually, I'm going to be so far away from it, the Sunday morning is going to come and I'm not even going to take that step forward. The friends that I choose will reveal my character. I love Proverbs chapter 27. It says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the friends. And do you notice this? Choosing your friends. So here's what I want to do today. I went through scripture, prayed about this, and I was like, God, what are the types of relationships we need to be choosing? And he gave me five. I've got five relationships that I I could just heard. I, I could find them in scripture, and I'm thinking... These are the relationships we need to be choosing. And so I'm going to go through these five relationships with you guys. And here's what I would challenge you. As we're going through the five, look for at least one and say, I don't have that. I need that. How can I get it? Okay? That's, that's how we're going to start winning is by intentionally saying that's the relationship that I need to be praying for and looking for and investing my time in. So what's the first relationship? The first relationship that we all need is I need a relationship with my church. And I phrased it like this on purpose, because we all need a my church. Like you need a church that when you walk into the building, and church isn't the building, church is is the people, but you need a place that when you walk into that place, you're like, this is my church. You need a place, I love Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read this to you real quick, it says, listen, you're no longer wandering, like you're no longer outcasts. This kingdom of faith is your home. You're no longer strangers here. You belong here. You need a church that when you, when you get there, you feel like, I belong here. And if you're here for the first time and you're checking us out, I want you to hear my heart. I am not trying to sell the Rock Church. I love the Rock Church, but if this can't be your my church, When you walk out of here today, you need to find a my church. And before you leave today, I I will sit with you, and there are four other churches that I know the pastors in this town. I trust the pastors, and I would say try these churches because it's more important that you have a my church. I would love it if it was The Rock. Don't misunderstand me because we have a good time here at The Rock Church, okay? I would love it if it was here, but you need, it's more important that you walk in and you say, "Mm, I'm home. I belong here. You know how you can tell when that flip switches and it's, it changes from church to my church? It usually changes in the verbiage first. It changes from things like uh, they have small groups to we have small groups. And it usually changes from they've got two campuses. They're trying to get a third because they want to reach the state of Maine. And it changes to we have two campuses and we're looking for a third 
because listen, I wish I could look each of you in the eye and tell you this right now. You belong here. This is your church. This is your church. You belong here. In fact, I would say you will not experience the fullness of all God has for you until you get this, until you have a my church. Some of you have been following God for 20 years, some of you more, and you feel like, why am I not further along in my walk of faith than I am? Psalms 92. Psalms 92 says, the godly will flourish. And some of you feel like, man, my walk with God is, it's not flourishing. The godly will be, they'll grow strong. Some of you feel like my faith is so weak. But the godly are transplanted into God's house. And I would say that the reason that you are not finding yourself at the point in your faith that you needed it to be, or that you thought it should be, is because you have not let yourself be planted in a church. Think of a tree. I love this analogy. If I keep uprooting that tree and trying to replant that tree, a tree is not going to grow and it will possibly die if you keep uprooting it over and over. Man, get planted. I, I can promise you it's not going to be easy, and I can promise you that people will probably offend you because people are people sometimes, right? But it's saying, God, I want a my church. I want to come together with people and worship you. I could stay here all day, but we got to move. The second relationship that we all need, I need a mentor. I need a mentor, someone that is further along than me in my faith, someone that is further, they know Jesus better than me, and they can pull me along. I remember when I started getting involved in ministry, I have always had a my church. I just have always had that in my life. And so when I moved to Tennessee to go to college, um, I, I was sitting, I, I, I wanted to figure out how to make it my church. And so I just started volunteering at the church, anything that was needed, literally anything. I was like, I'll do that. And so I started volunteering, started getting, you know, more and more influence in the church. This was back in Tennessee. And I'll never forget, I was sitting at a dinner with all the pastors on staff at that church. And so you got like Bible college degree, seminary degree, Bible college. And then it comes around to me and I have a math degree, right? And I have a master's in education and I remember, like, they were, it was going, they were talking ministry, and they were saying words that, like, if Siri would have been around, I'd have been like, yeah, praise God. Siri, what does that mean, right? Like, I, and I remember sitting at that table with all of these, these educated pastors, and I remember thinking, I'm out of my league. Like, I, I am out of my league. And I, I remember I had two choices, either back out or push in. And I didn't decide that night. But I was having my Bible time that week, and that, I found my first life verse. I've got three verses that have really impacted and continue to impact my life. And the first one is Acts 4.13. And I remember sitting, I was doing my Bible time a couple days after that dinner, and it says the leaders, the educated, the pastors, you know, the, the guys that knew, realized that Peter and John, who were not educated, they were fishermen, he says, they realized that Peter and John were just ordinary men. They had no formal training in scriptures. It says, but it surprised them because they could tell they'd been with Jesus. And I remember reading that verse, and I underlined that verse, and I said, I can do that. Like, I've got too many student loans to go back and get a theology degree. But I can get to know Jesus. So I did three things. I amped up my prayer life. 
like to the point of saying, I want to know your voice so that at any time, at any day, I can hear it and recognize your voice. I want to know what makes you happy, and I want to know what breaks your heart. And I amped up my prayer time because my heart was, I want to know Jesus. I want people to look at me and say, that boy knows Jesus. The second thing I did was I became a student of the Bible. Like, I just started studying scriptures. I got multiple translations so I could compare the translations. I got some books that if you're wanting to be a student of the Bible, and you're like, where do I even start? I've got some books that I could recommend for you. They're simple, but they give you some context of scripture that really helped me out. And the third thing that I did was I found a mentor. And I said, you know more about the Bible than me. You know Jesus better than me. Will you please teach me? Listen, if I want to have a better marriage, I'm not going to ask the guy that's on his sixth marriage, right? I'm going to ask the guy that's celebrating his 50th wedding anniversary. If I want to, if I want to get healthy physically, I'm not going to ask the guy that thinks when I talk about dips, I'm trying to decide between ranch or barbecue, right? I want to talk to the guy that can deadlift five, 600 pounds. If I want to get to know Jesus better, I'm going to talk to someone that knows Jesus better than me. And you know, I still have those mentors in my life today. Our pastor, Pastor Kirk, is one of them. Chuck Ives goes to church here with us, is another. Those are two people that I have intentionally said, you know Jesus better than me. You know the Bible better than me. Will you meet with me whenever you can and just teach me? Do you have that? Do you have someone that you have said, you're further than me. I need you to pull me along. I think of Paul to Timothy. In 2 Timothy, Paul was a mentor to Timothy. And if you're saying, Jay, what, I don't even know what that looks like, getting a mentor. I don't know what that looks like. Some of you guys are in a small group. Ask your small group leader. Just ask him, will you mentor me this semester? Paul says, listen, this is why I remind you. Fan into flames the gift that God gave you. A mentor should see your giftings and pull them out of you. Like, challenge you to pull them out. Pastor Kirk has done that to me on multiple occasions. Like, if I told you some of the hard conversations that Pastor Kirk has had with me, you'd be like, holy cow, that was probably very humbling. And they were. They were all very humbling. You need someone that pull, they see your giftings and they pull it out of you. They say, God's given you this. Let's pull that out. The next thing, he says, it's a gift that God gave you when I prayed for you. You need a mentor, needs to be someone that will pray for you. Like they will lift you up to the Father. The third thing, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. Come on, somebody. That'll preach, right? No, you need a mentor that will encourage you, like push you forward. Whenever he he sees you kind of wavering back, like, oh, I made a mistake there. You need a mentor that comes alongside you and says, yes, you did, but God has more for you. Let's keep moving forward. That's a mentor. That's a mentor. Do you have that? Maybe that's the one that you need to star. Next one. Next one is I need a relationship with, and I took this terminology from a person that was in the military. I need a relationship with a battle buddy. In the military, they have their squads, platoons. I really don't know the breakdown of that, but they have what is called a battle buddy. And that is the person that when you go to war, that person is by your side. You have their back, they have your back, and you guys go to war together. That's my friend that keeps me out of the newspaper. Like he knows my faith struggles. He knows my fears. He knows my, my, just the things in me that are false that I'm praying through. He's the guy that I have pulled that mask off and said, hey, 
This, this is what's going on. I need a relationship with a battle buddy. That's why we have small groups here at the Rock Church. Listen, small groups, the, the win of a small group is this. Coming out of that small group saying, I have a godly friend in my life now. That's the win. It's not learning anything new, though you might. It is meeting a godly friend that will partner with you. I need a relationship with a battle buddy. Well, Jake, when, when do I know that it's a good small group? Like I went to a small group and I don't feel like that, that happened. Acts 2.44, this is your test. And all the believers met together constantly, right? Not just on Sundays. They got small groups and all that. He says they met together constantly and they shared everything. You want me to tell you whenever you pass that line and it's no longer just my small group, it's these are my battle buddies, is that point whenever you say, I'm going to take that mask off. So I've been in many small groups, and I, the one I want to tell you about, just real quick, I was in a guy's small group. We had lunch once a week at Harvest Moon, right over by the, the base. And so we're sitting at Harvest Moon. It was, it was one of our summer semesters, so we were eating lunch outside. There was nobody else there because it's the middle of a work day. So we're sitting there, we're talking, and I'm going to be honest with you. If you've never been in a small group, or maybe you're signing up for a group that you don't know anybody, but you're thinking, I need godly friends. And so that first time that you go to small group, it's going to be awkward, okay? I'm just going to be honest. You're going to walk in, and you might know somebody. You might not know somebody, but you're going to walk in there, and it might be kind of just, just a little awkward. And, and then you're going to leave, and then week two is going to come might be a little less awkward. You guys will sit around and talk, and then week three is going to come. And I'll tell you, week three came in that men's group. It was week three, actually. We were sitting there. We had had the whole group, and the group was wrapping up. I had actually already prayed, and we're getting up to leave, and the, the guy sitting right next to me, right here at the table, there was a group of five guys, and he's sitting right here, and you could see he had something on his mind. And he just stopped us and he says, guys, I got, I got to tell you something. So everybody sits down for just another second. And we're like, what's up, man? And he says, I messed up really bad last night. And he just, he took the mask off, laid his cards, all of them on the table. And he said, this is what happened. He said, I don't know how to recover from this. I don't even know what to do now. And at that point, you're sitting there thinking that could go two ways, right? And the guy next to him puts his arm on his shoulder and says, you know what? He says, it wasn't last night for me, but it was last week. I did this. And he takes that mask off. Lays his cards out. He says, I'm struggling. The same thing, and I don't know what to do. And then this guy right here says, hey, guys, listen. I walked that same battle for years. And God brought me through it. And I believe he can bring you guys through it. And then this guy, not even me, this guy right here facilitates a prayer. And that immediately, right then and there, you've got three battle buddies that have said, we'll do this. We'll get through this together. It's okay. Let's lock arms and let's go to war. That is the win. I could tell you countless stories like that. Wait, I'm going to give you one that came from you guys. So last semester, we had someone email us a, a testimony. And I want to read this to you real quick. It looks long, but it's not. It's just big font because I'm getting old, people. Okay? It says, this past Monday, 
I was at my small group amongst, amongst a group of fellow members, some broken, some rejoicing, some weeping, some smiling, but all with needs. I was one of them. As we shared our stories, something pretty amazing happened. We spoke truth to one another, not the self-centered, palatable truth that is so easily accessible today. Truth from Scripture. We comforted, we exhorted, we strengthened. Living and active in our truth. Life-changing in our truth. Small Small group allows us to feel safe enough to share our stories and teaches us how to build one another up. Our community helps us. It helps me be strong and courageous when I would much rather run and hide. Thank you so much, Rock Church, for structuring your church in a way that encourages small groups. Thank you for being humble enough to recognize that the church staff cannot do it all, that we need men and women partnering with you. Know that small groups are a part of your ministry, an important part. They are fierce communities of salt and light that flare defiantly against the present darkness of our day. Small groups are not a luxury. They're a necessity. So I need a relationship with a battle buddy. Let's do the next one real quick. The fifth TRC small groups, 97,000. That's why we're doing this, because we want it to be easy. If you have not signed up, they haven't even started yet. They're starting, the first one starts tonight. So find a group, sign up, Battle buddy. Let's do the last two real quick. I'm a little bit, little bit over, so I'm going to run through these. The next one, I need a relationship with a mentee. I need a relationship with a mentee, someone that I am pouring myself into. So I've got someone pulling me forward. I've got someone right there with me, doing life with me, and I've got someone I'm pouring into, pulling forward. You see how that works? I need a relationship with a mentee. Small group leaders, you just heard that testimony. Is there someone in your group that you can challenge to lead a small group. We need more small groups. We have over 40 groups, but for a church of over 1,000 people, we need more than 40 groups. So maybe small group leaders grab someone this semester and say, hey, I think you'd be a good small group leader. Let me teach you this semester how to lead a small group. Parents, mentor your children. They don't need to know how to pass algebra as much as they need to know how to follow Jesus, although passing algebra will help, right? But they need to know how to follow Jesus, mentor your children. You know, there's this, um, there's this lake in the Middle East that has fresh water flowing into it, but it has no outlet. And so, does anybody know what that lake's called? It's called the Dead Sea because it has fresh water flowing in, but no water flowing out. And so that water is just sitting there evaporating and leaving minerals. And that literally the only thing that can survive in the Dead Sea is small algae. Maybe your Christian life is dead because you have things flowing into you and you have no outlet. I love this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. I'm going to give you Greek real quick. Each of us That means all y'all, okay? That means every single person in here has been given a gift that only we bring to the table, but it's not given to me for me. It's not just flowing into me. It's so that I can help other people. It's so that it can flow out of me into other people. You need a mentee. You need someone that you are pouring yourself into. If you say, Jay, I don't know what my gift is. That is what Growth Track is all about here at The Rock. 
We take personality profiles. We take spiritual gift profiles so that we can help you find your gift, but not just so that you have, can stand up and say, this is my gift, so that you can use it to flow into other people. The last one, last one, is I need a relationship with God. Now fill in the blank, but if you wouldn't mind circling the word relationship. Now I've been, I've been uh, following God for quite a while. I've had a lot of conversations with people about following God. And I've heard so many things like, I tried that. Or, I tried prayer. Didn't work, or. I tried, I tried, you know, following Jesus. I, I, I tried that. But, you know, any relationship, any relationship that you go into it saying, I'll try it, is doomed to failure. And here's what's crazy about a relationship with God. You cannot front in a relationship with God. I can't come to church but have my heart not in it. Because God sees right through all that. And so I would say that maybe, if you're sitting there saying, I tried that, I tried that. Maybe Jeremiah 29 is true. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. But I'd say that the converse of that is true. If you don't look for me wholeheartedly, I've tried that, Jay. I've tried that. What if, what if today, what if the last Sunday of September in 2019 was the day that you said, you know what, I'm not going to get in the shallow end. I'm not even going to check the temperature of the water. I am going to dive in the deep end with Jesus Christ. You know, I love football. I was raised a Saints fan. Be praying for Drew Brees, please. Okay. I love you guys so much that I've actually adopted the Patriots. I'm a Patriots fan too. And I was thinking about football, how Patriots, Patriots fans, we don't care that the rest of the country hates us because we, we're better than them, right? We don't care. We don't care. We put the stickers on our cars. We wear the sweatshirts and the hoodies because we're Patriots fans. What if the last Sunday of September 2019 was the day that we said, you know what? I want to be known as a Jesus fan. I don't, I don't care. Call me a fanatic. Call me crazy. Call me a holy roller. You know what? I'm a Jesus fan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my voice singing his praises. Like, I want, I want to go to the grave with people saying, that boy knew Jesus. What if today was your day that you said, I'm going to search for God with my whole heart? Because he says, hey, you'll find me. You'll find me. Let's bow. Will you bow your heads? So maybe you're, you're reading through these notes, and the thing that you starred was a relationship with God. It is the easiest relationship to start. I want to lead you in a prayer to initiate your relationship with God. You can repeat after me. You can say it in your heart. But here's the most important thing. It has got to be sincere. And so if you're saying, sitting there saying, I need a relationship with God, you can say something as simple as, Jesus, I believe, I believe the Bible, I believe you came for me, 
I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I don't understand everything, Jesus, but I do believe. Please forgive my past and take my future. Lord, I pray for each person here. God, whatever the relationship is they need to initiate in their lives, I pray that they do it. I pray they have the bravery to step out, Lord. If it's asking someone to mentor them, Lord, if it's putting themselves in a small group, if it's taking someone and mentoring them, Lord, whatever that relationship is, if it's a relationship with you or their church, God, I pray just a heart, a desire that is not quenched until they cross that line and say, I have this relationship. I have intentionally invested in this relationship. Lord, I thank you so much that you love us, that you want a relationship with us. God, I want to pray for this small group semester. I pray that it's not just the, the best semester. I pray that more godly friendships, more battle buddies come out of this semester than any semester in the Rock Church. In Jesus' name, amen.